Welcome to the First Baptist Barberville Weekly Sermon Podcast. At FBC Barberville, our mission is to gather, grow, give, and go. Join us for live worship on the Court Square in Barberville, Kentucky, or to learn more about our church, visit fbcbarberville.com. Here is Pastor Tyler Shields. Of taking the gospel all around the region, and they come to this city called Philippi. And we we know quite a bit about this city. They spend quite a bit of time there sharing the gospel and discipling uh, new believers. And they come across this slave girl. Really interesting story that she had this demonic spirit in her that allowed her to tell the future or to tell fortunes. And she keeps following Paul and Silas around and just proclaims that these men are servants of the Most High God. Now, I know that sounds like a good thing, but it really bothered Paul. And it makes you wonder why. And I think it goes back to, even though the testimony was true, it was coming from an impure place. And we see, you know, you look at the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. Many times Jesus would confront these demonic spirits that would say, this is the Son of God. And He would silence them, even though that's true, because it was a perverse testimony. Neither did Paul. Paul did not like this. And so I think, one, he didn't like this demon speaking to him. And two, he had compassion for this poor girl that it had taken over. And so he, kind of in frustration, casts out this spirit. Now that creates a problem. Her masters had made a lot of money off of her being able to tell fortunes and predict the future and that sort of thing. So they're very upset at Paul and Silas. They seize them, arrest them, accuse them with false charges. They beat them up. They throw them in jail into the inner portion of the jail and shackle them to the floor. Now, this morning, like I said, we're discussing the power and the importance of praise. Put yourself in Paul and Silas' shoes for just a minute. You're doing the very best that you know how to do. You're out there serving the Lord. You're helping people. You're watching God do incredible things in and through your life. And how are you repaid? You're arrested. You're beaten. You're unappreciated. You're thrown into the chains in this foreign jail, bloodied and miserable. Now, what do you do in that situation? I know what a lot of us would do. Poor, pitiful me. Do you pray? Probably. But do you praise God in this type of situation? Can you praise God in the middle of whatever life storm may be? Let's look at what happens. Probably a familiar story to many people, but in Acts chapter 16, we're going to start with verse 25 this morning. The Bible says that about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying And singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the jail were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains came loose. When the jailer woke up and saw the doors of the prison standing open, he drew his sword and was going to kill himself since he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul called out in a loud voice, Don't harm yourself, because we're all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. He escorted them out and said, Sirs, 
What must I do to be saved? They said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him along with everyone in his house. He took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And right away, he and all his family were baptized. He brought them into his house, set a meal before them, and rejoiced because he had come to believe in God with his entire household. What a cool story. There was a children's church teacher that was planning to take her kids on a little field trip. And they were going to go out to the main worship service during during church one morning. And so she had them all gathered up and lined up, getting ready to march out into the church. And she was telling them, be quiet, we can't be causing a big uproar. And so she's explaining all this. She says, now children, why do you think we need to be quiet when we go out into the worship service? And one little girl speaks up. She says, because there's people sleeping in there. Sounds like something Audrey Grace would say. And uh, I, wish, I wish napping was a form of biblical worship. We, I would practice that one and glorify God with a good nap. Probably will this afternoon, actually. But before we talk about the power of praise, let's talk about what praise, what biblical praise and worship really looks like. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk us through several verses, especially from the Psalms this morning, because our praise needs to be biblical. And let me preface this by saying, worship itself is not just an act. Most, we know this. Worship's not just an action. Worship as a whole is a lifestyle. It's a way of living to glorify God with every part of us, with every fiber of our being, with every aspect of our lives and everything that we do. And Jesus told us, yes, we are to worship God in spirit and in truth. And that simply to, to break it down real quick, that means one, we worship God in cooperation with the Holy Spirit who lives in us. And two, we worship Him according to the truth of His Holy Word. And so, yes, it's a lifestyle, but within this lifestyle of worship, there are many acts of praise that I think we need to be familiar with. And as we go through the Word, there are so many different ways that God is physically worshipped by His people. And many people will ask, and preacher, what does it really matter to God if I do this? What does it matter to God if I ever lift my hands or clap my hands or shout His praise? Well, one, He tells us that we need to. But two, we've got to understand, when we do things physically, because we're physical beings, when we do something in the physical realm, God honors that in the spiritual realm. And in our text, we see Paul and Silas doing two things. One, they're praying. And two, they're singing hymns. Wouldn't you like to know what they were singing? Just to be a fly on the wall and hear the words that they were singing at about midnight that night. Praises to God. But there's other acts of praise as well, according to Scripture. And right now, our youth are going through a very detailed study of praise throughout Scripture. Uh, I'm really excited for what they're learning. Now, there's different words translated for praise, okay? Just like there are different words in the Bible that are translated love and they have different meanings, because English is a little weak, let's be honest. There are different words that are translated for praise. And here are just a few examples. Psalm 67.3, the Bible says, Let the people praise you, God. Let all the people praise you. Sounds simple enough, right? We've got this English word, praise. But in this case, the Hebrew word means to revere in worship with extended hands. To praise God 
with hands lifted high. Now listen, I understand not everybody's a hand raiser. Let's be honest. And that's okay. But this one, honestly, I really love this act of praise. And here's why. As a parent, this one makes me think about my children. Easton used to do this. Audrey still does sometimes. And your children, when they want you or they want something from you, what do they do? They come and stand before you just like this. Now, Audrey still today, not so much, but for a while she would always come and she'd say, Daddy, I want to hold you. Not I want you to hold me. Daddy, I want to hold you. And it makes me think about us coming before our Heavenly Father with this desire. Father, I want you. I want to be in your presence. I want you to hold me in your presence. I love this act of praise. Psalm 149.3 says, Let them again praise His name with dancing and make music to Him with tambourine and lyre. Now, if you come to Bible school this week, you may see Pastor Tyler trying to honor the Lord with dance like we saw in this video. It's not going to be pretty. But I'll give it a shot, all right? But this one is not just about dancing, although that's the way it's used in this context. But the word translated praise here is the word that literally means to act clamorously foolish. Have you ever thought about praising God clamorously foolish? To celebrate enthusiastically with abandon. Now, Again, you don't want to see me do this, but the heart of this particular act of praise is simply to give yourself over to God in honor and praise of who He is. And that's a beautiful thing. C.S. Lewis says, the most valuable thing that the Psalms do for me is to express the same delight in God which made David dance. It's finding celebration in the same delight in which King David danced before the Lord. Psalm 21, 13 says, Be exalted, Lord, in your strength we will sing and praise your might. Now this means simply to make music, to praise God in song or to praise God with instruments. And we do a fantastic job, in, in my opinion, every week either singing, we've got the choir singing, we have the vocalists singing, we have people playing different instruments. And it's a beautiful, it's one of my favorite ways to praise the Lord as someone who enjoys playing music. And we do this well. Psalm 104 says, Enter His gates with thanksgiving. Go into His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and praise His name. Now this verse has two praises in it. But they're two different things. Both translated the same word. The first one means to praise Him with song. But the second word, praise, is a little different. It means to salute or to kneel before Him in adoration. To simply bow down before the Lord. Yeah, you know what? Sometimes you need to worship God clamorously foolish. <laughs> Sometimes you need to bow down in reverence of your Maker. To kneel before Him. Psalm 154, I'm sorry, 45, 4 says, One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty works. Now this word for praise is the word meaning to address in a loud tone, or as we would say, to shout. To shout God's praises. But not only that, but to shout them so that other generations can learn of His good deeds and His mighty works. We proclaim God's works for every generation to hear. Now, put all that together. Can you imagine this? Put all of this Biblical praise together. And you've got a group of people that's singing, that's shouting, that's dancing. Some are kneeling, some are praying, some are playing instruments, some have their hands lifted high. We wouldn't know what to do with that. 
It'd be, it'd be wild, wouldn't it? But this is a picture of biblical praise. Now, all of that is wonderful. And I believe that if we're going to obey Scripture, that we should practice these things. But here's the thing. More important than any of these individual acts is the heart that's behind them. True worship and true praise, regardless of the physical act associated with it, must involve the heart of the worshiper. And when we truly worship God in spirit and in truth, with all of our heart, all of our soul, our mind, and our strength, not just because we feel like it, but because we know our God deserves our praise, then we begin to see the power behind the praise. Now we can talk about the story and the power of praise. Praise changes your situation. Now some of y'all are already starting to ponder this. Pastor, you mean if I simply praise God, my situation and my circumstances are going to change? Yes. Maybe not the way that you think. Let's talk about this. Certainly during their praise and prayer, God changed drastically the situation for Paul and Silas. I mean, their chains literally fell off and the prison doors were open. But more than that, our situation can change through praise and through prayer because we are changed through praise and through prayer. See, more often than not, it's not just our circumstances that need to change. Let's be honest. It's usually us. That needs to change as well. It's our attitudes that need to change. It's our heart that needs to change. And you better believe there's times. Let's be real. There are times. There are days that we do not feel like praising God. I hope I'm not being blasphemous. I'm just being honest. There are days that we don't feel like it. There are times that we come to church. And we don't feel like singing praises to the Lord. But none of that changes His worthiness. To receive our praise. Many situations in life, if we allow them, they will rob us from our joy. They will rob us from our peace. They will hinder our faith. But if we turn to God in prayer and in praise, our hearts begin to change through this process. And then the change in us, often our outlook on whatever situation we're in begins to change drastically. Now, like I said, we can sit around and play the Poor, pitiful, woe is me card all we want to, but that's not going to get us very far. Imagine if Paul and Silas had done that. Maybe they would have died right there in that prison. Maybe that man and his family wouldn't have been saved and whoever else that they led to the Lord. But they were resolved to serve God and to praise the God of all creation, even if they were in a prison, even if they were chained and shackled to the floor, even if they had bloody stripes on their backs, they knew God was still worthy of their praise. Now, I love this story. I found these words this week. and Their attitude, Paul and Silas' attitude of praise, reminds me of this African martyr, this Christian that was drugged before his village and forced to either renounce his faith in Christ or be killed for it. And of course, he went on to be martyred for his faith. And they found these words written in his papers. And he wrote this. He said, I am part of the fellowship of the unashamed. The die has been cast. And I have stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I'm a disciple 
of His. And I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense. My future is secure. I'm done and finished with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tamed visions, mundane talking, cheap living, and dwarfed goals. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotions, plaudits, or popularity. I don't have to be right or first or top, or recognized, or praised, or rewarded. I live by faith, lean on His presence, walk by patience, lift by prayer, and labor by Holy Spirit power. My face is set, my gate is fast, my goal is heaven. My road may be narrow, my way rough, my companions few, but my God, He is reliable, and my mission is clear. He says, I will not be bought, compromised, detoured, lured away, turned back, deluded, or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice or hesitate in the presence of the adversary. I will not negotiate at the table of the enemy, ponder at the pool of popularity, or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, shut up, or let up until I've stayed up, stored up, prayed up, paid up, and preached up for the cause of Christ. I'm a disciple of Jesus. And I must give until I drop, preach until all know, and work until he comes. And he said, and when he does come for his own, he'll have no problems recognizing me. What if our heart was a little bit more like that? I think a little bit more like Paul and Silas in that prison. To have a resolve that says, you know what? I'm going to follow Jesus no matter what. No matter what you do to me, no matter what you say to me or say about me or what it costs, I'm His. And I'm going to stand up and I'm going to proclaim His gospel regardless. And I'm going to praise Him no matter what this life brings. And if we did that, notice not only would our situation change, but I love how this story ends. Our praise will point others to Jesus. Notice the final verses. The jailer had been spared from the earthquake. He'd been rescued from suicide. And now I believe he wanted to be spared from God's wrath because he knew that he was in the wrong. And he asked the most important question that anyone will ever ask. He says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they simply say, Believe in the Lord Jesus. And you will be saved. You and all of your household. Now, you gotta be, he's probably thinking, surely it's not this easy. It can't be this simple. There's got to be more that I have to do. No, believe in the Lord Jesus. And you will be saved. And Paul, well, put this, connect the dots. Put it together. Paul and Silas singing and praying led to this man's salvation. See how that, that worked? Their simple acts of praise led to this man's salvation and the salvation of his entire household. And you wonder if praise isn't powerful. Well, it is, and here's why. Because you were created for praise. You were created to glorify and worship and magnify the very God that created you. Your purpose in life is to bring glory to His name. 
People began to see Jesus when you do this, when you live up to your purpose. And what happens is God gets even more glory as more people are, create, are brought into the family to worship Him. Verse 34 tells us that the jailer himself, what did he do? He rejoiced. You know what that word for praise literally means? He jumped for joy because he was saved and because his entire household was saved. He jumped for joy. Let me ask you, church, are you glad that you're saved this morning? Amen. I'm glad that God gave his son that we could be saved and that we could have eternal life. And I think that as a, as a people of God, it's time that we get back to the heart of worship. We're going to close with a song this morning. I want to give you a little context for it. Because even in today's world, it's so easy to get wrapped up in what praise is and what it's not. And the man that wrote this song felt like his church was getting off track with worship. And it starts out saying, when the music fades, when all is stripped away, when you take away the lights, when you take away the instruments, you take away the PowerPoints, what is actually there? And we've got to get back to the heart of worship, which means to worship God primarily for who He is. No matter if He never did anything for us, we still have to worship God for who He is. But more than that, church, as a saved people, we can worship Him for who He is, for what He's done as well. We need to praise God that we're saved. Jump for joy if we have to. Let's stand together as we close in prayer. Father, we, we love you this morning. Lord, I thank you that that you love us. That you are a God that wants little old people like us to praise Him. Lord, I know that we're not worthy to sing and to shout your praises. But at the same time, Lord, you are so pleased when we do. Father, I pray that this week we would just come before you, Lord, as... Our children come before us with a heart that just longs for you. To be in your presence. To be held by you. To bring a smile to your face. As we praise you for who you are. But also for what you've done. Lord, I praise you this morning. That you have saved my soul. That you have redeemed my life. And God, I pray that if there's someone here that doesn't know what that feels like, that can't say that they, they appreciate what you've done and they need saved, that this morning, God, they would come and give their heart to Christ. Lord, for your church this morning, I pray that we would get back to the very heart of worship and we would worship you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, if you need to come and pray of course the altar is open if you need to be saved this morning I invite you to come and give your life to Christ for the rest of us I just want us to take just a few moments and let's praise the Lord because he deserves it thanks for listening to the weekly sermon podcast please subscribe but also join us live in person on the court square in Barberville or find us on YouTube by searching FBC Barberville, on Instagram at first underscore Baptist underscore Barberville, 
on Twitter at BarbervilleFBC or on our Facebook page, First Baptist Barberville.